Welcome back to another episode. Today we have a special guest on and the topic that we're going to be talking about today is this idea of a charitable remainder trust. And our special guest today is Dr. Guy Baker from BMI Consulting. Guy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. Awesome. So this idea of a charitable remainder trust is something that that we see for individuals that are are going through an asset sale of some sort. And so before we kind of get into what is a charitable remainder trust, we want to talk about what are situations where a charitable remainder trust would be something that a client would be interested in. So so what kind of what is the problem that arises where a CRT can help fix that? Well, as a uh, tax accountant, I, I know you probably work with a lot of clients who are in the process of selling assets. Maybe they've had for many, many years where they have low basis and a lots of gain, and they're looking at the tax consequences associated with that. Uh, and they're saying, gee, Mike, how do we solve this problem? And so a CRT is a great way to be able to uh, eliminate some of the capital gains and turn it in, monetize it, turn it into income for life. That's awesome. And so is there typically, you know, this is, we're talking about a highly appreciated asset. So this could be a, a business, a piece of a real estate. This could be you bought Apple when it first came out and now it's grown a lot and you have a, a lot of appreciation there. This could even be, we see this a lot with crypto, uh, people that have uh, purchased crypto and, and has had massive gains on that. So Let's kind of jump into this idea of a charitable major trust, also called CRTs, if you see those around. Um, so, Guy, just explain, what is a charitable remainder trust? What is kind of the, the high-end concept of it? Sure. So, a lot of the explanation is really right in the name, right? So, it's a trust, charitable remainder trust. And so, it's a being a trust, that means it's a separate entity that has its own tax ID number, and you have to set up that trust. And then remainder, well, let's deal with charitable. So charitable means that when you put it into the trust, it's going to go to charity. And what goes to charity is the remainder after you get the income. So essentially, you know, it's a, it's a, a partnership, if you will, with a charitable uh, donor advised fund or a, a specific charity or charities. And, but they don't get anything from the trust until after you've taken the income out over your lifetime and if you're married, uh, your spouse's lifetime. Awesome. So, you know, the idea behind is, one, we can avoid tax on an appreciated asset. We can still provide income for a certain period or, or life. And then we can also take care of a charity on the back end. Right. And then don't forget, there is a a tax benefit, you know, a current tax benefit against other income that comes from it as well. You get a a charitable deduction. Yeah, that's a good point. So let's use this as an example. Let's say we're selling an asset, doesn't matter what it is, but it's an appreciated asset. And we're looking at a gain of about a million dollars. Walk me through the process of utilizing a charitable remainder trust. and What does that look like as far as um, kind of taking advantage of this? Yeah, so the most important thing that I think your uh, listeners want to be aware of is, is that this has to happen before you have a deal. Uh, so that million dollars has to be transferred title-wise to the trust before you have a confirmed um, transaction. 
If you don't, then you, you don't get to avoid the capital gains. So let's say you know, you're selling stock and you want to call your broker up and sell your Apple, right? You, you've got to put that Apple stock into the trust before you call your broker and have him execute a sale. So now that you've got the million dollars in there, uh, let's say you've got, you know, I don't know, 100, 200,000 a basis or whatever it is, that 800,000 that would have been taxed on your income tax return escapes tax. So you have net $1 million sitting in that trust, uh, 200,000 is your money and 800,000 is the gain. So at that point in time, the way you determine your tax benefits is based on how old you are and how much income you're going to take out. And you have some uh, control over that in terms of how you design it. It can be based on a fixed amount or a percentage. And depending on how old you are and, and how much you're going to take out, you will get a tax deduction. The younger you are, uh, the less remainder is going to be there. So the less deduction you're going to be able to receive. The older you are, the more remainder you have, and the higher your deduction. Yeah, that, that's great. So, so that's that's a good thing too. And I, I want to really stress this idea. And this becomes, you know, whether we use a charitable remainder trust or some type of charitable trust or some type of other tax strategy, the key about these types of transaction is talking to an account and talking to someone before you're even looking at, at making the actual sale. It's important that you start these conversations early so that you're not coming to an account and saying, hey, I just sold my crypto for a million. Now what do I do? Um, by that point, it's too late. So so we have this million dollar um, asset that we're going to contribute. We, we contribute it to a trust that we created and we get a tax deduction when we contributed that to the trust. Now, it's obviously, as you mentioned, going to be a discount of that. So even though we might have put in a million dollars, our charitable contribution is going to be much less of that because we're not giving that million dollars today to the trust or to the charity, correct? That's correct. Okay. So now that the money is sitting in there, we make the sale. Because it's sitting in a trust, there's no tax owed on that sale of that asset because the trust owns it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, you know, on a million dollars of, uh, you know, selling an asset for a million dollars with 200 basis, that's 800,000 of gain. Uh, you could be saving 250, $300,000 of tax by doing that. Okay. So now we have this, this, Sold asset, we have a million dollars of cash sitting into this trust. No money, no tax has been paid on it, but now that money's in a trust, what, what happens from that point on? Well, it depends on your age and uh, you know how you set up the contract, but let's take two scenarios. You're, you're 45, 50 years old, and you know, you're only interested in uh, avoiding the tax and having this money sit and grow for some period of time, and you're going to turn it into income like you might a pension, okay? Uh, you, you would use a, a, tr a charitable remainder trust that allows you to defer the income until say you're 65 or 70. And then at that point in time, that income would go out. So let's say you set that up for 7% on a million $70,000, but because you deferred it, that million might've doubled in value to 2 million. And, you, and because you deferred income of 70,000 a year for 15 years, you could maybe take out 
you know, 200, 250,000 a year for 10 years uh, uh, on that particular arrangement. If you're older, if you're 65 or 70, say, and you're doing this, then you might want to take that income immediately, in which case, let's say you're 65 and you want to defer Social Security till you're 71, okay? So you might use the charitable remainder trust income to make up for what you would have gotten as Social Security if you'd have taken it earlier. And so you pull that out, but now you start taking the Social Security. So you want to defer income on the charitable remainder trust for a while just for tax planning purposes. So there's a lot of flexibility in this that allows you to mold your income based on what your cash flow needs are and what your tax uh, temperature is. Okay. Now, when at what point in a, in a CRT does the money go to, or does the whatever the remainder is go to the charity? Well, that happens at death, so or twenty years, depending on how you set it up. So, you know, if you're seventy and you set up set it up, then you know at ninety it might terminate and go to the charity. But if you're forty five that 20 years isn't going to start until you're 65 or 70. And, you know, there's ways to be able to extend it even longer than that, depending on life expectancies. Okay. So I, I know a question that pops up on this, you know, let's say I have some children, I just put a million dollars into this trust, I'm providing some income over the course of my life. And all of a sudden on death, um, that million dollars that was in there, maybe grew, maybe had some paid out to me, but there's still some, asset left in there, left cash there. left in there, what happens to my family now? Because traditionally, if I would have paid the tax on that, they would have inherited that asset. So is there a way to still take care of your family in this type of situation? Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that can be done here. What, what, what often happens, especially if there's a high desire to create an inheritance legacy for the for the kids, you know, for the grandchildren and children, let's say, uh, you might want to buy enough life insurance uh, that can be funded off of the income from the tax savings. You could justify it that way. That would replace that. Uh, you may be able to design the charitable remainder trust so it has a, uh, you know, a, a beneficiary that goes beyond the two spouses. But again, th- those are all uh, design considerations. Okay. Makes sense. So I just want to kind of wrap up this idea again. You know, the the remainder trust, the the purpose of it is to avoid tax on appreciate assets, provide income for a per- certain period, of, uh, a certain period of time, or for your life, and the remainder goes to trust. And we're able to avoid tax on an appreciate asset because the trust can sell your asset without paying tax on the capital gain. Um, so this usually involves transferring something to the trust, letting the trust sell it and then paying an income to you from the trust for the remainder of your life. Now, this all sounds great, but what are some of the downfalls? If you had to look at this and say, okay, here's here's a reason why you, you know, here's some of the downfalls of this, because we've talked about a lot of positives. What are some of the downfalls to SCRT? Yeah, so um, let me just give you a a quick example, and then we can talk about the downside. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of a client of mine that's uh, 48 or nine. He owned a privately held company. They, the three partners gifted a portion of that to a charitable remainder trust, uh, so about a million and a half each. They got about $150,000, $175,000 deduction. 
they're investing that to grow, to create income when they're age 70, which is projected to be somewhere around 300,000. Okay. So, you know, that's a, a pretty good outcome and it's, and it's a pension uh, income that, uh, that they can count on. But from a downside point of view, number one is they put, they got rid of a million and a half dollars worth of value. If that company increases in value over the next five, 10 years to, uh, two and a half million, three million, four million. They're they're not going to put that money in their pocket, uh, but it will be in the charitable remainder trust, and it will create you know additional income for them if they've designed it properly. Uh, so they they've lost flexibility uh, and liquidity in that type of situation. From a tax point of view, there's really not a downside per se because uh, you know the CRTs have been around for decades. Uh, so the law is very uh, clear clear cut on that. It's black and white. But from a deduction point of view, if he had put a million and a half dollars in directly and didn't have any benefit from it on the other side, he would have gotten somewhere around a, a million, two million, one deduction, whereas he only got 175. So he sacrificed some tax benefits by doing it this way. Um, the other thing is, is that you don't have as much flexibility investing that money. You're a fiduciary for the charities that are going to get this. So, you know, you're not going to be able to buy some of the things, or, you know, or invest in some of the assets that you might have chosen to invest in with that money in a CRT. Got it. Is there a certain uh, dollar amount of a gain when from a cost, like a, this obviously is, is a, a fairly complex setup. Uh, so is so as costs involved in the setup, is there a certain dollar amount in gain where this starts to make sense or where the cost maybe doesn't make sense for it? Well, I think you got to look at facts and circumstances. Um, it depends on somebody's total net worth, uh, what the value of the asset is, uh, their tax uh, tolerance, you know, so those are all issues. The cost of setting these things up are really nominal. I mean, it's probably in the under five thousand dollar range. Um, so, you know, if you're putting a hundred thousand in, that's five percent. So you might not want to do it for that. You put in two hundred thousand. You know, it's two and a half percent. Maybe that's getting a little closer to a a good cost benefit ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I what I like to do. Uh, when we get into situations like this is kind of do an algorithm that says, okay, a million dollars, how, how can we put money in their pocket and, and reduce the rate? So if we're looking at a $300,000 tax, maybe we only put six or 700,000, you know, into the CRT, in which case then we're escaping tax on, let's say 700, right? So that's using 30%, that's 210,000. And we take as income 300,000, but we get the write-off say of 100,000. So we're really only paying tax on 200, which would be 60,000. So we knock the tax down from 300,000 to 60,000, and we've got 240,000 of cash in our pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can, that brings up a good point. So, you know, traditionally, we're, we're avoiding the tax on the sale of the asset, but we're still receiving an income source from it. And so that income source that we're receiving, uh, you know, for a certain period of time or for the rest of the life uh, is obviously going to be income to us. How is that income from that typically taxed? 
Well, there's a four-tier uh, taxation uh, application there. So uh, your basis comes out tax-free, so you don't lose your basis. Um, capital gains comes out as capital gains, so you're, you don't lose that. You know, you, you still retain your capital gains rate, but who knows what that rate will be when you start taking that income. And then you've got interest and dividends. So, uh, you know, it just kind of depends on what the makeup is of uh, the asset. And so you have to have an administrator that's going to track those four buckets. Okay, makes sense. And so is there some ongoing annual fees for that administrator that's kind of preparing those types of documents for you? Yeah, it's just like a pension plan. You got to have a, you know, somebody track that and uh it's it's got a, it's got reporting that you have to follow. Okay. Awesome. Now, one thing that, you know, when when people start to research and and hear about these strategies and say, okay, this sounds like great. I, I have a highly appreciate asset I want to sell, want to avoid capital gains, still receive income. Uh, this is great. They'll start to research show remainder starts and they'll start to see things like a crut or a crat or a, a, a nim crut. So explain to us a little bit about that and how that, how, what are those terms in comparison to a share remainder trust? Sure. So uh, I mentioned early on in our discussion, Mike, that um, you could take out a percentage or a fixed amount. So that's what those are referring to. So uh, you can have a CRAT, which would be a charitable remainder. That's the CR annuity trust. Uh, we're going to set the fixed amount and you're going to get that every year. And even if the asset doubles or triples, that amount's not going to change. Okay. Uh, if you use a CRUT, which the U stands for Unitrust, okay, uh, then you can get a percentage. So if you set it up for 7% and the asset doubles or grows while you're pulling money out, then your income can go up. The NIMCRUT is uh, is talking about a uh, a makeup provision that allows. That's the one I told you about earlier, where you're 45 and you defer the 70,000 income for 15 or 20 years, and then you can draw down on all of that that you deferred in addition to uh, the percentage that that you're going to take out. Excellent. Well, Guy, this has been extremely helpful, and and for those of you that are listening, we're also going to have a Guy and his partner, Jonathan, on our tax minimization program on one of our monthly group trainings. We're going to deep dive into this, go a little bit deeper. We wanted to do an initial kind of overhead look at what is a charitable remainder trust and then take it deeper in our tax minimization program. So if you're not a member yet, be sure to check that out. Go to taxsavingspodcast.com forward slash tax. We have tons of tax strategies in there. You have access to our team for those general tax and accounting questions you have. And we're going to be doing a monthly group training session uh, with, with Guy and Jonathan to kind of deep dive into it a little bit further. So Guy, anything else related to the charitable major trust you think would be good just for this kind of over high level overview of, of the CRT? Well, I, I think you stated what is probably the most critical uh, aspect of this whole process, and that is to get you know, into a discussion with you or, you know, their tax advisor, a CPA, 
uh, ahead of time and and plot this all out and get some economic models designed so that you can see the benefits of the annuity or the uh, trust or the unitrust or the NIMCRUD and whatever and run some projections on how that money could be invested and what it might grow to and what the the pension would be. I, this is really a private pension plan if you think about it. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what you're doing is most people when they reach age 65 or 70, don't care whether they're worth 20 million, 50 million, 100 million, or you know, 2 million or whatever, right? What they care about is how much income am I going to get? And so one of the ways to assure income uh, is by making sure you don't pay more taxes than you have to and convert those taxes into income. And I think that's done best by starting with a, you know, a qualified tax advisor like yourself uh, and get this all sketched out ahead of time. Yeah, and and for our listeners, that's that's really what I want to stress too is the point of our conversation. We talk about tax strategies. We're going to tell you oftentimes how to do them, exactly what's involved with them. Other times, like the shared remainder trust here. Our goal is to get that out in front of you uh, and know that the possibilities are out there. But this is definitely something you don't want to try to do yourself. We want to find someone that's a professional and get you introduced to it. But our goal here and through all of our podcasts is to let you know of the strategies that are available out there. Because so many people think that they're too small to save taxes or there's no way to save taxes when that's just simply not true. And this is just another example of how can you sell a highly appreciated asset and pay no tax on the sale of that asset. Most people would say that's not possible, or most people would say that's not legal. But here is something that's time and tested and and, and proven by the IRS to be legal and utilized on a, on a daily basis. So, so, Guy, one other question to finalize this, that as I was talking about that, I thought of. Um, this sounds, in many ways, to be too good to be true, or, or, or a strategy just seems like, wow, that's... Why would the IRS allow that? Is this a strategy that is scrutinized by the IRS? Uh, what is their take on this? The key to the success of the strategy is the appraisal. So, you know, if if you've done the right job of planning, gone to the right professionals, it's set up by the right people. I don't think you have anything to be concerned about. What you might have to be concerned about is defending uh, the amount of money that you put into it in terms of your income and your deduction. So you need to get an appraisal. But again, your professionals will help you do all of that. Uh, And as you mentioned earlier, it's black letter law. I mean, these have been around for decades. I I don't really see much risk in this uh, unless you don't operate it properly or you set it up wrong. Yeah. And we when it, that's what we talk about when it comes to advanced planning. The key is, is to finding someone that is going to do it right. Getting it set up correctly is so key when we talk about advanced planning, as well as, you know, why we work with partners like Guy and Jonathan that make sure that we get this thing set up right. We, we've, we've vetted them out and know, okay, these guys do things the right way. And so that's, that's really the key importance whenever you're looking at an advanced tax strategy. And again, a reason why this is, this is meant to be an informational purpose to say, hey, I might qualify for this. I don't know. Maybe it's not the right fit, but at least you know it's out there. Now you can research it and now you can find the right vendor that you want to utilize to implement this. So Guy, I just want to say thank you for coming on again for those listeners who want to deep dive into this. We're going to be going uh, digging much further into the Shared Remainder Trust in our tax minimization program. You can join that at taxpodcast.com 
forward slash tax. And God, just let us know uh, that we'll also have a, a, a form within our blog, which is in the show notes for this, where you can uh, submit it and I can get you introduced to Guy and his team if this is something that you at least want to explore might be right for you. And then Guy, just kind of explain a little bit about more about what you guys do and, and where you can be found. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been uh, great to have this uh, conversation with you. Uh, you know, we're money managers uh, and and we're, you know, strategic consultants for our clients. Our goal is to help people achieve their financial objectives, both from the standpoint of how they invest their money and uh, how much they don't have to pay in taxes that they can then invest. So, you know, we, we work with uh, people with, uh, you know, significant net worth uh, in order to be able to help them protect, preserve and conserve, uh, you know, what they've built during their lifetime. Excellent. So listeners, if this is something you're interested in, uh, check out the form on our blog post. Otherwise, join our tax minimization program. We're going to be deep diving into this again with Guy and can get introduced then. And uh, until then, I just want to thank you, Guy, for jumping on. This has been uh, really, really information in, informative and uh, really looking forward to seeing how we can uh, open up the idea of this idea of tax savings and tax elimination potentially as well. So thanks, Guy, for coming on. Well, thank you. It'll be great to continue working in this area with you. And uh, if anybody has any questions, we'd love to help them. Okay. Sounds good. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, Guy, when we jump on the tax minimization program. Okay. Thank you. Bye, Mike.